Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're off to the UK for a match, you can't guarantee a good result. But you can guarantee 0% commission on your sterling with OnPost. Get it in cash or on the handy OnPost money currency card. You don't even need to pre-order. Just drop into your local post office and pick up your sterling today. Terms and conditions apply. OnPost Money Currency Card is issued by PPS EUSA, pursuant to license by MasterCard International. PPS EUSA is authorized by the National Bank of Belgium and is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland for conduct of business rules. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that sticks its hand on the back of the sofa of the weekend rugby. I am Lee Calvert and also joining me over there is... I think I'm still... I think I'm Josh Gardner. It's Josh. It's sleep-deprived snowflake, quadruple (laughs) snowflake. Josh Gardner is here. Uh, He's probably feeling a bit... uh... Feeling a bit like Bobby Womack right now. I am a bit, actually, yeah. I mean, Did you go for a walk today? Uh, I d- well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. Maybe. You would be safe and warm. I would be safe. Yeah, I would, actually. To be honest with you, he was pissing it down when we left. Was it? Yeah. I tell you, there's nothing that snaps you into like sharp focus that you're definitely home, like getting off a fucking 11 and a half hour red eye plane back from Los Angeles and touching down in Heathrow this afternoon and mm. uh, turning your phone on and finding out that Austin Healy's just decided to start <laughs> some random fucking beef with you for no real reason. I, I'm blocked by him, so the only way I could see him, <laughs> I had to go in via the other podcast's account, the Nessel Dorma Twitter account, to see what was going on. So uh, it's, it's genuinely provided me with an untold amount of genuine amusement all afternoon. Uh, who need, You don't need melatonin. I always find it you so... Don't need, 
you just need to have a, a beef with a, I always find it so weird when winner. somebody who's that successful and obviously clearly getting along very well with his life <clears throat> feels like he has to ra- have a row with somebody who said something relatively yeah it's I mean, bizarre I, I mean I will be the first to say that tweet was a little bit punchy it was a bit salty wasn't it, I suppose yeah, yeah but yes yeah. It's the fact that he kept he's kept coming back to you. He's kept, yeah, he's kept going. Like I thought that I'd sort of do a smart ass reply and that would be the end of it because he's he's a fucking World Cup winner. And he has properly winner, pulled out. Yeah, well, I've got a better job than you, and yeah, yeah. Um, your podcast yeah. is rubbish. So you yeah. know, takes he one also, to no one or he something. Claims he, he also claims he does sixty games a year in commentary, which I don't see how that's possible. I got a hundred and forty-seven thousand awards. <laughs> He said, but in the English I've got, version. I've got 108 friends. I do 137 <laughs> games a year, each one in excruciating detail. Oh, that's all. It's it was it was a weird. So anyway, welcome home. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I watched I watched the Richie McCaw uh, well, chasing great documentary on the plane because weirdly, United Airlines had that as one of their film options. Um, I didn't know that film existed. It's just about his yeah, career, I take it's it. Document, it's a documentary, basically. It's behind the scenes of Richie McCaw's last year as an all-black uh, oh. lead up to the Rugby World Cup final. It's actually quite interesting, if a little bit kind of hagiography in place. They do tend to be a bit like, it is a bit, everyone bow down before him, don't they? Yeah, but the weirdest thing is that the token uh, Northern Hemisphere voice in the whole thing is Stuart Barnes. Saying what? Well, there's a weird bit where he's presumably at his house and he's pretending to write a column about Richie McCall, and it's like he's like writing on a laptop and like he's saying it's one. It's just such a weirdly, obviously fake thing where he's like, it was remember when Richie McCall tripped up that uh, Argentina player in the first game of the World Cup and got binned? Yes. And he said it was a dumb thing that he did. Like, like he, there's Stuart Barnes like writing his column saying Richie McCall's never done a dumb thing in his life, and he's like you could see him sort of typing it on the screen, and it was even he's, at, he's, even find, at fifty thousand feet, uh, you know. What I was found McCall quite terrifying in that because he's one of them. Didn't I? Read, I tried to read. I got a free copy of his biography actually, and I tried to read it. Didn't mm. get through all of it because I find stuff like that just not that interesting. Really, I don't find. I prefer biographies to autobiographies. Do you know what I mean? If I'm going to read them. And um, in the... I just thought he was so different to me, I suppose. When he was 13... I've never had a plan in my life about anything. So when he... He he was one of them when he was 13. He mapped out his life in rugby, didn't he? I will be captain of my school this age. I will be in the Canterbury team at that age. I will be... Whatever team it was. I'll be in the... Yeah. And then I'll be All Black squad. Captain of the All Blacks, best player yeah. in the world at this age. It's just, yeah. and that's it, probably why he achieves things. And he did it all. And I'm sat here in my pajamas doing this. He, he comes across as a, a borderline psychotically. And I think you man. have to be. I think to be that kind of, you have to be able to feel you can bend the world to your will. I think. Yes. To to be that kind of achiever. Yeah, but the, the interesting thing is that he just. He, quite frankly, in that documentary, basically just says, I haven't had a life for my entire career. Like, he's like, 
Like other players have got like wives and kids, and I've not got any of that. I've just kind of sacrificed all of it to be an All Black. Really, he didn't have to do that, did he? Because there's plenty of no. All Blacks who have got wives and kids. Exactly. And go, yeah, he but obviously be, has chosen to be to, to, be, be, to yeah. be what he wanted to be. Requires a certain level of sort of psychotic and almost monastic focus. Mm. On and it's only in the last year or so of his career that he's you know he's got a the uh, girl who played New Zealand for. Uh, Nepal, uh, sorry, hockey for New Zealand and all this sort of stuff. And he's got the girlfriend and all this sort of stuff. And you can see that he's starting. And he actually says, like, he's looking forward to being retired so that he doesn't have to be like that anymore. That he can actually... I suppose you're young yeah. enough when you're retired that you've still got a long time yeah, to you know, live he's not this, like he's that, this, you? Yeah, but he's just like, I can have a family now. I can be... Because I, I can't... The only way that I can be an All Black and I can be, you know, the the GA the GAB, the great All Black that he sort of wanted to be after being the All Black, is to sort of give literally every fucking inch of himself. And, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's a puff piece at the end of the day, but it was quite interesting to see an insight into Hmm. somebody that psychotically driven to just be really fucking good at sport. So Richie McCaw chasing great. Yeah. On United Airlines, what more do you want? Yeah, I also watched that uh, Ken Burns' 10th inning baseball documentary. The, the tenth inning is the extra one about all the yes. uh, uh, doping and everything, isn't it? <clears throat> yes, which uh, kid gloves it a little bit too much for me, if I'm honest. But um, you probably yeah, know more great. about it than I do. But yeah, very interesting. Anyway, so there you go. That's a full seven yeah. minutes on you know Richie McCaw, which we weren't expecting to do. So there you go. Yeah. Um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can get in touch with mm. me at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner at Rugby Shirt Watch, uh, Rugby Shirt Watch uh, and at Aust- I am Austin Healy, apparently, is his name. My, <laughs> my sort of new best friend. We're on Acast and on iTunes. And actually, if you just put Blood and Mud podcast into Google, you'll get, you just, you'll probably you know, get anyway, that. you get Pocket Casts and Acast and all kinds of things. Yeah. You can find us. We're also on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who helps us out there by stuffing a bit of money into our back pocket to help us keep going with this and that Indeed. lovely support that you give us. Um, we've put a post out today because we're starting to build our Team of the 90s uh, episodes. We are. Uh, so that's what started today. So you can look forward to that. Fullback started today. Most people are saying Christian Cullen, unsurprisingly. But we're I mean, gonna, yeah, you know, get stuck in there for some suggestions. <laughs> um, there you go. We've done that episode. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's going to take a lot of voting some other way for it not to be Christian Cullen. I I'm still imagine. pulling for Jonathan Webb, but we'll see. Well, we'll see. Uh, anyway, so. We'll start with a player spotted, like we always do. Michael gets in touch. He says, mm. I have a nice player spotted for you. Uh, w- well, we'll be the a judge nice of play- that. A nice player or a nice player spotted? Either way, we will be the judge of that, Michael. Yes, Don't be so indeed. presumptuous. He says, I was shopping in MacArthur Glen Bridge End. It's a strong oh, I've start. Been that. I've been it's that a very soldier. strong start. Yeah. There's a MacArthur Glen here, Cheshire Oaks. I've been to that one. Yeah, you've been to Cheshire Oaks. I've been to Cheshire. I was coming back from a wedding, and I don't know why, but we were like, "Let's go to the designer village." It's just outside Ellesmere Port, which is yes, which I yes. love Ellesmere Port, but it's it's not the most salubrious town. But I I really like Ellesmere Port. The day the day before, I had to go to Argos in Ellesmere Port to get a uh, a phono to headphone jack so that the first dance song could be played through the PA of the wedding that I went to. So service. I, Respect. Yeah, that's how I go. What make I was once on holiday in Lanzarote, and I was there was mm. this bloke with all with Liverpool tattoos on, sat with his missus. I said, "You from Liverpool, then, mate?" Because I'm I'm chatty like that. Mm. And he said, "He said, no, no, I'm from just over the water." And I said, "Oh, you're from uh, Birkenhead, are you?" He said, 
no, 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 no. I'm from um, I'm I'm from Cheshire Oaks, and I and I said, yeah, I work in Ellesmere Port. And his missus and his missus went, oh, well, obviously not not Cheshire Oaks. You know such a road and such a road. I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. So where the fuck do you live? The Gap Outlet or something? Do you know what I mean? Gap. But Cheshire Oaks sounds like somewhere where footballers live, doesn't it? But it's not. Absolutely it's does. a McCarthy Glen outlet. Yeah. Anyway, back to what Michael was telling us. He was at the McCarthy Glen outlet in Bridge End. Yes, On a Sunday well. morning when I spotted some kind of familiar rugby player in Jules, or Jules, is it? Uh, I couldn't place him at all. He had a kid on one arm and called his presumed wife to take a look at this. Said wife gave him a look, which seemed to suggest, I'll do the looking for clothes, thank you very much. <laughs> only after leaving, Michael says, only after leaving did I manage to remember who it was. It was Cornwall's greatest rugby expert to South Wales, greatest rugby export to South Wales, former Joe Dragons and, Os- and, yeah, and Ospreys 8, Joe Beerman. Yeah, there's only one Cornish export to South Wales and that is... <laughs> Yeah, yeah Joe I mean, Beerman. He never struck. He never struck me as a man who's particularly uh, sartorially kind of aware. So it's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So yeah, so that's a really good place, but and it's in a kind of crappy place. Yeah. On a Sunday morning. Yeah. And Sunday let's be morning, honest, a kind of third tier player there. Yeah, massively so. Like a good servant to the club, but yeah. really, the fact that you recognise him full stop is genuinely quite. It's impressive. not surprising you took a little while to remember who he was. Yeah, yeah. However, Michael finishes with about three minutes later. I also walked past snooker legend Terry Griffiths. Oh fucking hell! That's now a we're talking. Whole, that's a whole different fucking level. He's seventy-one now, Terry Griffiths. Is he really? And I thought he must be older because I suppose when I was a kid, everyone looked old in the eighties, didn't they? So we looked dead yeah. old then. So <laughs> yeah, I suppose Terry Griffiths now doesn't look that much different from Terry Griffiths then, does he? No. I also looked because I, I was reminded Terry Griffiths looked it up. He earned one point two million pounds in his career in the seventies and eighties. That's a lot of money. He's, I mean, unless he, was, unless yeah, you know, and he didn't seem like a, that, a massive, you know, liability yeah, and piss. Unless, piss unless head, that all so. went up his nose, that's just you know, he's, <laughs> it's a hell of a nose for it to go up. Let's well, be honest. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, so that's that's play spotted. Thank you very much. You can get in touch with the play spotted lateblooddemud.com yeah. or the direct me- the DMs are open. And thank you, Michael, for that. Um, news. News. Not much news this week. Let's uh, just do a quick bit of news. Elliot Daly's leaving Wasps. Yes, which we all sort of knew already. Worst kept uh, secret in rugby. He's still not saying where he's going. It's Saracens. He is um, saying it's nothing to do with him not having a training ground. Or he wants to yes, make that point very strongly. Very strongly. But he is still going, along with everybody else. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, Saracens salary cap accountant must just be a fucking wizard or everyone there is playing for absolute pennies how many marquee players you allow two or one two two. It's two and surely one of those is owen farrell and the other one is maratoje presumably now that they both sign new deals i don't know <clears throat> although liam williams isn't there for fucking shits and giggles well what's the it's, is it seven million the cap plus the two yeah. marks plus the two marquees yeah. I'd love to make well, it's for another time. I'd, to list all their squad and try and put a value against yeah. it on a spreadsheet yeah. and see see where you get to. Yeah. There's a challenge they're... for any listeners out there yeah. who's good good on a spreadsheet. Try and see if you can get seven million into Saracen's squad. Yeah. Assuming how much peep how much people market like... yeah. Relative market value for what these players are likely to be on. Unless they're going there for fuck all because they're gonna win stuff. Which is possible. Unlikely, yeah. but possible. Or oh, they really but, like Barnet. That's possible. I just fucking love Barnet. Yeah. 
But well, yeah, this is fascinating. Uh, yeah. Who else is on the move? Speaking of Saracens, uh, Maratoji is missing all. He's going to miss everything, but possibly the last game of the Six Nations with the knee injury that he suffered on uh, on Saturday against Ireland, which is a. Yeah. Uh, he didn't like. Well, he's, he seemed to be. He was limping off. He didn't seem to be. Yeah. You know, having to be held up. But I think no, it's when, probably when a... they when they said knee ligament injury, I think everybody went, "Oh fuck!" Um, but I think it's a it's a not a fucking horrendous one. It's a well, clearly not. Shame, it's, it's a few weeks. So. Shame he's going to miss. You know, the Six Nations. But uh, yeah, there he's we go. He's going to miss Wales in Cardiff. That was upset you greatly. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure somebody will carry the clapping load. You know. Um, Yes, indeed. So, also yeah, on the move, speaking of second rowers and people on yes. the move, David Atwood is off to Bristol. That's a good signing. Yes. That's a very good signing. They've got Nick Hughes, Dave Atwood. Yeah. I mean, one of the big problems that they've had this year, Bristol, I think, is that they've not it's really... tackling. Well, tackling is one, and just fucking ballast and nous, and particularly decent... Set. Their second rows have not looked very fucking good, to be totally honest. And Muldowney's so... been injured a lot, hasn't he? Uh, well, Muldowney's only just coming back to full yeah, fitness, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Muldowney and, and Atwood is a good fucking engine room, let's be honest. Even if they are both, you know, not exactly spring chickens. No, but they're right for another couple of years, aren't they? Fucking right, they will, yeah. I'm surprised Battle and him go, to be honest. I know they've got some good, you know, they've got Elliot Stoop, Stoop coming through coming. there. But, yeah, he's a good player. Anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. that's the news. That is the news. So, opening weekend of the Six Nations, Josh, which you had to watch, well, I'm guessing it would have to watch at very strange times. No, uh, in the morning, I suppose. The Wales game yes. would have been on at lunchtime in LA, wouldn't it? The, yes. Uh, it was just a mess. I didn't know when it was supposed to be on or what, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, uh, I managed to actually... The, the only game I managed to watch live was uh, Ireland-England. Um, but that then I had to find a dodgy stream because even though NBC Sports broadcast the Six Nations in America, for reasons best known to them, they decided that instead of showing England Island live, they were going to show a uh, replay of Scotland Italy while that game was going on because they'd been showing Premier League football while Scotland. Ah. He was going on. That would explain so it. rather than go, let's go to the big game and we can show the other one later, they'll go, no, 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 no. We'll show it all in order. I don't think they have a concept of what a big game is on NBC, do they, in, in rugby? Oh, I mean, England, well, They don't care enough anyway. Well, England, Ireland, they surely must know. Like, There's a lot of people who pretend to be Irish in America. <laughs> Come on. If I was American, I'd be Irish because my one of my mum's grandmothers came over in 1878. Yeah, True story. so you'd be, you'd be wearing like shamrocks all the time. Yeah, so speaking of the Ireland game, I had to go to Ireland a short notice this weekend, as I said on uh, Twitter, uh, because I had a family bereavement and they turned it around pretty quick in Ireland. So I had to get myself <laughs> over there. So, of course, I spent the entirety of the weekend among the Irish family. And I went to a pub in Eglinton in County no Derry. County London okay. Derry is what you can also call it if you're of a different persuasion. I'm not. Um, yeah, let's just. It's where that. Derry Airport is in, a, in, okay. in Eglinton. Anyway, I went to the Happy Landing Pub in Eglinton. Not to be confused with the Happy Ending Pub. That's a different pub altogether. That's a whole different pub. And, yeah. uh, and it was really interesting because I was in there and it, there was loads of people there in island tops. And it was that brilliant thing because it was the north. Mm. When the, it was on, a few of them were muttering along to God Save the Queen when it was played. <laughs> and then none of them sang a single word of, you know, Sheena Fina Foil, that one. 
Yeah. And then they all started belting out Island's Call at the end. It was a very, and what was the other thing is that when it when there was when Sexton was kicking, the entire pub went quiet. It was like, and I was like, I felt like, a, you know, you're not they, there, right? You know, if you as, if you shout bollocks now, it won't make any difference yeah, to him. As if you need to show respect to the kicker <laughs> remotely. So I spent the entire time just going yes, and then sort of sitting back down again. And free, and they gave us free stew at half time. Pub, oh, I recommend nice. pubs in Ireland free yeah, stew at half time. That sounds fucking fantastic. That sounds better than the fucking. Shitty sandwiches that you get in most pubs, if you're lucky. If well, I've you're not, lucky. Usually you don't get anything. In North yeah. Wales, there's no refreshment served at half-time in a pub. I once went to watch Six Nations game uh, in Metros in Cardiff, which was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. That was a really, really, um, really bad pub. Was it even a pub? You can't really call well, it's it a, a pub. It's, a, it's Cardiff Premier Rock Club. However, <laughs> I think it was, it was one of the Grand Slam weekends, and we were just wandering around St. Mary's Street trying to find a pub to watch uh, Scotland, Italy, which was the early game, and we just saw a door on St Mary Street that was like Six Nations Live here, and it was a little door I'd never seen it before. And we went in there, and we realised that this was the fire escape to Metros, which usually comes in from another place. And so <laughs> we were like, "Hang on, we're in fucking Metros." Didn't that become a lap dancing bar? <clears throat> no, Metros is still Metros. Is it? Yeah, but uh, yeah, and they had uh, filled rolls at halftime, which it's I at least nothing though. It is better than nothing. It is better you know, than nothing. It, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so shall we talk about um, Ireland? <laughs> no, we should England. only talk about filled roles. Um, <laughs> Ireland twenty, yeah. England thirty-two. In case, as if you'd have fucking forgotten, but in case you have fucking forgotten, hell of a result. And that was, and to be honest, it looks better than it was because of the quite late try by Cooney, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, scoring flat as a, um, Ireland were just they didn't turn up at all, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from England, but. I just... Well, it becomes, you know, what comes first, the blitz defence or the fucking everything up. Yeah. As that old saying goes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just from from second one, England gave them nothing. And from second one, Ireland just didn't look like they fancied it. And it, it looked, was I, very I honest, odd, wasn't it? I honestly look... I think they fucking believe their own hype. You know, when you get to the fucking top, there's... And you're regarded as the best team in the world... Like everyone's queuing up to have a pop at you. Then you're you're never the underdog. You're never sort of you've always got a target on your back, and you and in, uh, mm. you've got to learn to deal with that as a team quite quickly. I think, or you're going to get knocked off your. Well, I think they had. To, I think Ireland quickly have to. I mean, there's a lot of fucking nuclear takes about Ireland going off. You know, they're not. A, they're not a bad team because of that performance oh, no. on Saturday. And I, I do, we did the um, retrospective Rugby 7 Six Nations last week. Mm. And, and we'd, obviously we were talking about England kept on boarding up the Grand Slam for years and stuff. And how Woodward every time say, we'll learn something from this. And everyone used to laugh and go, well, you know, how long do you have to bring fucking school for? It's the third year on the trot, you've not done it sort of thing. But yeah. the point is, is that your point is a good one. And linking in with that, it is that you will have to learn something from this. That actually, the way you, the way Ireland raised the game against New Zealand is the way they'll have to play against everyone. Because, yeah, because everyone will raise yeah. their game, yeah. just like you did. You're now the you're now the team that everybody gets up to play, and that was very obvious for me. You know, England foolishly, you know, were were seemed like they were broadly quite written off before the start of the including tournament. by me. You know, I actually didn't think we were going to play that. I didn't think we'd beat Ireland in Ireland. I didn't, no, 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 never no, for nobody, a fucking million did. years, and I think that was going to nobody. happen. But nobody I don't think did. it would be a hiding or anything. I, you know, I just thought we were... I thought it would be very much like 
when we played South Africa last summer, that we do, we'd, we'd be pretty physical and, and frighten them a bit for the right an hour, then ultimately we'd lose. That's what I thought would happen. Well, that's kind of the first 40 minutes. I was like, oh, fair play. England have come to play here. Ireland need to get their heads together in the second half. And then they've got the quality and the composure and the experience that they should pull through. But they just didn't. They just never looked. They looked rattled from minute one, where they, they were not expecting England to come at them like they did. Which is really interesting when you compare it with the Grand Slam game a couple of years ago, hmm. where England came out of the gates and they did not, they were not anticipating that level of ferocity from Ireland hmm. because they were fucking pumped up. And it just, it you know, it is when you're on the top, people will will come at you and they will save their best for you and they will not need a lot of motivation to give 110% against you. And you and that's why teams like the All Blacks are the best because they never fuck they what they rarely at least hmm. allow that to get to them. When somebody like fucking Wales or England or whoever gives them an absolute fucking monster it's an interesting for twenty convers- minutes, they never panic. It's an Ireland interesting panic. conversation, isn't it? That you know, how long do you have to be at the top to be absolutely comfortable with it? I think hmm. England were absolutely comfortable with it between two thousand and one and two thousand and three. <clears throat> Yes, they you were. Know, they were absolutely comfortable with we're the best team in the world now. Yeah. So we're going to win most things. And even like, you know, the semi the quarterfinal against Wales in 2003, that, look, that yeah, could have yeah, gone yeah. to the shitter and actually, no, just bring Cat on, settle it down. And I do think there was, yeah. because, and you kind of skip, so I suppose, but they'd spent five years slightly nosing games like that up. Yeah. Wembley 99. Yeah. Ireland yeah. in Dublin after the foot and mouth thing in 2001. And I think there is something about. I don't think that's why Ireland should panic too much because they're probably they're probably about what twelve months into this cycle of playing so well, you know. Yeah. And, and and so it's, it's going to take they, a bit of time. You know, and it's there's a lot of talk about you know. A boxer doesn't go undefeated for the whole career, do they? You know, you have to. No, exactly. And and also, let's not forget that you know this was not fucking David and Goliath. This was <laughs> yes. the two. The two, the two most dominant teams in the Northern Hemisphere in the last since the last World Cup, the yes. only two teams who have won a Six Nations since the yeah. last World Cup. And you know, against these, the team who won a Grand Slam a couple of years ago. Yeah, the team that won the the team that won the Grand Slam a couple of years ago against the team who won the last two titles in the Grand Slam last year. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yes. you know, England have never been a bad team, regardless yeah. of how they. We were sketchy at last year, but yeah. you know, uh, regardless of how they've looked at times, England have never been a bad team. And with Manu and Billy finally fit, it's 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 like oh okay, that's exactly what Eddie's wanted since day one, isn't it? Mm. He's wanted Owen Farrell at ten, and he's wanted fucking Manu Tuilagi at twelve. Manu or Tio, yeah, yeah. But you know, but ideally Manu because Manu's much a much better version of Tio than you know. Yeah, interestingly, in- I think if Tio would have was fit, it would have been him that started. Mm. But um, to go back to the game. Um, how long have we said that surely somebody can do something about that fucking run around? Yeah, and well, you just this, you some, just this weekend somebody did. You basically <laughs> yeah. just do that, just run as fast as you fucking can at the gap yeah. in between yeah. twelve and thirteen, basically. And you know, John Mitchell might be an arsehole. I mean, from everything he is an arsehole, but he's clearly well, that's why got he gets two hundred grand a year. Yeah, because well, of that performance. He's... Yeah, he's got a you know he's an inventive defensive mind, and whether he can back that up. And this is the thing that I, I think will be interesting for the Six Nations going forward. Like you said earlier, there's an awful lot of fucking truly nuclear takes 
being bandied about on the the internet sphere and in TV studios up and down the land. But everything else this weekend, one game is one game. Like, yes. there's no, this is no time to make sweeping conclusions about title credentials, World Cup prospects, the viability of certain players playing certain... It's one round. There's a hell of a lot more rugby to play before the World Cup. And it'd be interesting to see how Ireland respond to this. It's going to Scotland next. It's a fucking hell of a big test. That is a tough game to go and play now, isn't it? Yeah. But I won't fancy playing Ireland next, though. Remember when? Remember when Italy had to play the All Blacks after Ireland beat them last autumn, and it was and fucking it was terrifying. Just, it was, was lambs like, to the slaughter job. Yeah, it was yeah. horrendous. Well, it was funny, but it was horrendous <laughs> for them. Um, equally, though, England, nobody's underestimating them anymore. No, that whole, that's true. That whole underdog mentality thing that they. Very, and everyone's big. seen their defense now. Yeah, everyone's gone. The... Oh, that's how they defend now. Yeah, and you almost made <laughs> like obviously they needed to. They wanted to make a statement, but it's you wonder if they might regret using that this mm. early <laughs> in a World Cup year when it could have come like because you know well, that I mean you've got, to, you've got to run your you've got to run you've your got, pattern, haven't you? Yeah. Well, you can't just say, well, we won't run that pattern in case people you know, <laughs> no, no, figure no. it out. You just got to. That, Keeping that kind of that blitz and drift thing, you don't see it very often. It was really, really interesting. Yeah. It was one of the most, I mean, as much as it was great to win, it was really, you know, as a kind of nerd, mm. as we are, it was really, really interesting to watch that defensive pattern because it was, it was a combination of blitz. And do you remember that, that, that quite popular umbrella defense for a little while that Farrell yes, was very yeah, fond yeah, of? Yeah. It was kind of a blitz umbrella and then the really old fashioned drift yeah. thing. And I wonder, I would, I'd love to know. Whose whose job it is to call the drift? Because in the old days you'd push up, you'd blitz up, but you'd push up, and then when it got outside the twelve, that when it got outside the ten, you'd start to drift. Well, that got abandoned years ago. So now they've got this. Who's calling? Like in NFL, who's calling the defensive play? I reckon reckon Noel's calling it. You reckon? Yeah, because I reckon he is. Like obviously Farrell is the defensive captain in a traditional midfield kind of sense. Because I don't think he tr- he would trust Slade or Tuilagi with it, to be honest. Um, but I just think Noel's such a solid defensive player and such a good reader of the game. He played very. I mean, everyone played well for England, but he played very absolutely, well. yeah, he very very well indeed. And he's ex- you know, he's a great open field defender. I think Eddie looks at him and goes, "You're the person that I trust to not drift and fuck this up." Basically, <laughs> yes. If it goes the other way, we'll just let Johnny carry on doing what he's supposed to do. But you're allowed to freelance a little bit. Johnny May's now basically an idiot savant, isn't he? he <laughs> it's just. Remarkable. I don't understand. I still don't. I, every with it, with each brilliant performance, it gets more and more. I think more it's confusing. just purely instinctive to him. Yeah. And I There's think not... it's almost weird. I think you kind of train him, and then he just somehow becomes part of his instinctual play. I think if he thinks about anything, he's at it. Yeah. Hence, when but... he kicks, sometimes you think, "Oh, see, you've thought about that, haven't you?" Yeah, you've thought about it far too hard, yeah. Come back to Noel, though, the point, you just to pick up on this point. Um, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when he said he wanted him to play seven and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we both said he's probably just watched rugby league and what he means is come inside early in the tackle count like they do in yeah, league yeah. and carry. Yeah. How often did he do that on Saturday? All the time, yeah. It was. It, it looked like Jason Robinson when he played rugby. Like any any winger in league, the first the, yeah. the first kick return carry hit up you do, it's a winger that does it. The first two, <laughs> the wingers do it, effectively. Yeah. And that's exactly what he was doing. Well, yeah, that's Mitchell's I, idea since he's coming. I don't know, but it's uh, 
well, you know, it's it it was you know it was quite effective, and and from a from an Ireland point of view, there it's like it, it once again, you know, how many times do we see coaches who get a little bit cute with the way that they with their selections of a settled mm. team, and it goes fucking terribly wrong? Like, on what planet are you looking? You know, you've got. Two players, you've got fucking Robbie Henshaw and Bundyaki, both good players. Robbie Henshaw is the best 12 Ireland have. Yes. He's also got a skill set that, you know, for all Bundyaki's skill sets, and he's a big lad, and he can, yeah. you know, he's quite quick and he can offload. His Lincoln's okay, but he's... His he's Lincoln's a, a, yeah. Henshaw's a different animal. He's a, one of the best 12s in the world. Why the fuck you pick your... One of the best 12s in the world at 15 is... I don't know what they were thinking. Were they thinking they could, like, send... Both him and Ringrose down Slade's channel and scare the Maybe. shit out of him or something. It was really Maybe. strange. But all it, all it did was just leave him horribly exposed. Like it's Farrell that it's that classic weakening two positions problem. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly that's what you've done. What they did. It's like when you played yeah. when Wales played George North at centre. All you've done is yeah. weaken two positions. Yeah, there. yeah. You haven't got your best winger on the wing, and <laughs> yeah. you've got and you've, a guy who's not. You've got a guy who's not comfortable playing thirteen at thirteen, and you know they didn't have their best twelve. Which equally helped, you know, as much as England's defence was a big problem why Ireland struggled to get on the front foot, I reckon they stick Robbie Henshaw in there, they don't find it quite like... They get some change out of that because Henshaw's got a, a level of awareness and, an, and a more rounded game than Aki that, <clears throat> you know, they just desperately needed somebody to hold that fucking... So there was Stop kind of... that defence drifting and he... And Aki wasn't doing that. Aki was just running towards the fucking defence. And I don't see Henshaw doing that. I see Henshaw yeah. just getting his fucking head down and scaring people with his pace and his power. And it's easy to say in hindsight. But That's honest, yeah. A, there was an element of malaise about the selection because it's never really been done. I don't think Henshaw's played fullback before. And if he has, I can't remember. It must have been so a while. I, don't think, I don't think much at senior level, maybe yeah. a bit when he was still at Connacht. Um, and, then, and, and it seemed to, as it just... <coughs> As it was getting worse because they couldn't seem to do anything, it was there was that one line out when they threw it right to the back on their own five meter line. That was fucking mad. And wasn't that it? you know, and I just I remember I was in the pub and I said to I, I said to mate, my brother in law sat next to him. I just said I said I just said who the fuck has called that there in this situation because and there seemed to be this kind of infection of we just don't know what to do. You know that classic problem where when mm. things aren't going well for you, you try stuff even more complicated. Yeah. And that was a kind of a little bit of an illustration for me about about just how sort of mixed up they were getting because well basically Ireland England played like Ireland didn't they because Ireland yeah. couldn't get that kind of twenty eight phase killer possession going everything was coming out too slow so the box kick wasn't working and Sexton and Murray both had fucking stinkers which is yeah and, very, and it's the it's girls. Very, it's very rare that they both play badly. But it's the oldest story in the book, isn't it? Every team looks shit when you don't give you them don't... time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I honestly think that, like, if one of if one of them had been a bit more on it, like, you know, what? Johnny Sexton's the best player in the world. He was just getting increasingly more pissed off, wasn't he? Yeah, he just he 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 did something that Johnny Sexton hasn't done in about five years, which is when somebody fucking puts him on his ass. He got angry about it, 
and he got he got in his head yeah, about and, it. And he kicked one ball, and it was a really bad kick, and the camera zoomed in on him. I think he kicked it out on the full, I can't remember. But it zoomed in on him, and he was, like, swearing and fucking fuming. He's like, well, you yeah. you fucking kicked it, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, well, you're the one who sort of... took that decision and kicked it. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like he was shouting at somebody else. It's that sort of thing that Sex used to do when he was sort of, you know, first coming through and sort of was the heir apparent to Agara, and, and people were sort of like... Is he gonna ever be as good as he could be? Because it seems like he's a bit fucking mentally all over the shop, and obviously that's not been a problem for a long time. And he's been brilliant, fucking for the like five or six years. And now all of like that one, it was just something happened that got in his fucking head. Because whereas usually Sexton just is completely fucking calm and composed, and whatever's going on around him he's usually making good decisions, even if he's making good decisions under pre- pressure. Hmm. He just was making bad decisions under no fucking pressure at all. It reminded me of, I imagine, you know, like if you're like ranked 150th in the world in tennis and you pull and you draw Federer in the first round of a tournament, <laughs> and no yeah. matter what you try, it just keeps coming back and you get more and more yeah. worked up and defeated. Yeah. It, felt, it just seemed a bit like that because they just didn't yeah. seem to know what to do because everything they tried ended up with them getting smashed back on their arse. Yes. And it just, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird, it was a collective kind of, as you said, you know, a, a weird collective malaise that, like, they're not used to having it up them, <laughs> which, you know. Because on the face of the stats, said, it's really weird, because England made yeah. miles more tackles, Ireland had more possession, England more territory, loads, more England clean. loads yeah, of tackles. More de- beaten defenders. Like, yeah, England you know, missed like thirty tackles, but it's had a yellow just, card for ten minutes. Don't forget. Yeah, and it was just like, and you know that moment England had that wobble around the yellow card where they started fucking up, and there was a ball out on the full. There was a hmm. stupid penalty in front of the post, blah. And that was the moment where I thought, oh, Ireland are going to take control here now, and they just didn't. That's they what just... I thought. I, there was that. There was that first try we scored in what two and a half minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. When they were, we were running angles from all over the place, and the ball was moving left and right, and the runners were coming <coughs> yeah. very Eddie Jonesy. You know, the, the runners are coming very. from everywhere. And I thought, fuck me, this looks good. Then we scored, and I thought, wow. But you know, calm down. Then, like you said, the yellow card. I was fucking fuming, you know. And then, and I thought, well, Ireland is going to do what they do now. But actually, we held out relatively well. Tom Curry yeah. played brilliantly. I mean, apart from that, yeah, da- that, that, that well. late tackle on Earls was, was very daft. But it was just a bit late, I think. It was it was just stupid. It wasn't yeah. a stupid fucking Maro Itoji's flying arse into Keith yes. Earls' face. And the ref went, oh, it's a contest of the ball. It's like the ball landed in another fucking postcode <laughs> yeah, to he where was, he jumped into his head. He literally just threw himself. And to be honest with you, England did a lot of that. And England were doing a lot of shit out off the ball stuff. But I don't have a problem with that. Like... As long as it's not You do, fucking... you're a snowflake. Austin Healy well, said you're a snowflake for pointing out the fact that people shouldn't be defending Manu <laughs> for running shoulder first into somebody's with no arms. Defenceless yeah. sternum with no arms. Yeah, yeah. well. Um that's the thing though, if it's not fucking actively dangerous, I don't mind a bit of shit houseery. I don't mind fucking blocking someone off the ball or you know, because that's just fucking rugby. Is you know, rugby is cheating. 
Yeah, I don't mind it. You know, holding people off the ball, a little bit of pushing and shoving and all that. It's absolutely... You know, who yeah. doesn't want to see fucking Omani and Sinclair having a bit of a push and shove with each other? Fantastic stuff. All, you know, if it's not actively hurting somebody or shortening someone's career, fucking crap. And England on. did play like cunts in the best possible yeah. way. It was yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's... And it's interesting because Ireland have been the cunts for, you yeah. know, the last five Fantastic. years. New Zealand have had a, hundred, a century of country. That's one of the yes. best teams in the world. It's rare that somebody out cunts Ireland, to be honest. <laughs> and but the quest the question is, can England sort of maintain this level of cunt? And if any team can, to be honest, it's probably England. But it uh, is well, yeah, we're already a few steps on the road, aren't we? Just as the general setting. But, Who's your money yeah. on, by the way? Sinclair versus Omani. That'd be I mean, good in that one, eh? It'd be a good I think I I think Sinclair's got it for raw power, obviously. But I feel like Omani's just going to be a fucking dirty bastard. Isn't but I he? think Omani might lose because he's got more play in his neck. Sinclair's no <laughs> I neck. Know you mean. Abs- if you punch Sinclair very hard, his yeah. head isn't going back, yeah. is it? No. Whereas Omani's is, there's a bit of flexibility yeah, yeah, in the neck. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. He's a. But then Omani's got him for range, you know. Sinclair's yeah, you maybe a... can hold him, keep the the yeah, jab coming yeah. out, keep him, keep him at a distance to the sort of. Well, Sinclair, you know. if this is like no rules, he could just run straight into him and floor him, couldn't he? <laughs> Just head first. Ram Man style. But, uh, dip, dip the crown. Yeah. Jay, Jay Miller said on, on on Twitter, he said, uh, Sinclair saying to the ref, sorry, sir, I'm just excited. Tell me to shut up if you need to. <laughs> was, yeah, I'm just very excited, sir. Tell me to shut up. It's my quote to the Six Nations so far. Like, I love Carl, like, I love Carl Sinclair for that. Yes. For that, like, he's he's, he's genu- wonderful. Yeah. He's genuinely hilarious. He's like him and Genji in the same squad is just wonderful. Yeah. There's just yeah, no side to either of them. They just don't give a no. shit, do they? Yeah. And Sigler's just like he just clearly loves it. He and that was you could see that on the Lions tour as well. He was just fucking delighted to be there. And yes. it, I, it's stuff. very hard not to really like that level of just comical enthusiasm did, did you, mixed with being a bit of a twat. Did you direct message Tom Curry and they told you, by the way, to tell him to get Keith Earls, given your feelings about him? Did you offer him a backhander <laughs> or something? Offer him a bit of Patreon money? I, I didn't, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> if anybody... Uh, it seems to have worked. Uh, no, we, you don't, know, we don't wish injury on Keith Earls. No, no. Let's just point that out. No, it was just a, not at all. We jest. Um, but it, it did feel like so they, were, they had a bit of a... You know, they felt like Keith was somebody that they wanted to get at. And I don't know. Is it just because he looks small and sickly and like it's like picking on the weak one in the pack? You answered you know? as ashes, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but John, bottom line was England were basically at least ten percent better, absolutely everywhere. In every and they've ball, got the every... and they've got the players to win if that's the case. So yeah. Well, I think England now just what's it? What would be interesting to me is if somebody like if Tuilagi gets injured or. Hmm. Unipola gets injured. Farrell's which... 10 now, though. We know that. That we do Farrell's know. 10. Farrell is the 10 now. What happens if those players get injured? Can they maintain this? You know, how much is it dependent on those two players being fit and firing? Because that, in a World Cup year, that's, you know, it's obviously good that they're both fucking there. It's a case of. Well, as you ah, know, where's... England's 2015 World Cup completely came apart because Manny Toulangi got injured. Exactly. Are we, we could gonna... be heading for the same. If him and Billy Veropola go in June, it'll be interesting it's... to see what happens. I'm not going to play a prediction, but it'll be interesting to no. see what happens. And if only thing... Farrell's not available, forget it. Oh, you know, I mean, but that's, yeah, but an absolutely fantastic 
you know, one to twenty-three performance. That it was a great game yeah. of rugby, actually. As much as Ireland a, were, were, com- were, com- were comfortably beaten, they they, were, they, they didn't nev- like. They, you know, they fucking never stopped, and it was a no, really heads, high quality piece. The heads uh, game never of rugby. Dropped. And it was a, a a genuinely sort of pulsating, compelling, and engaging test match, which, as a sort of first big marquee game in Six Nations, you know, that's what you want. And you know, these it, are the kind provides... of games that you expect from Britain's oldest championship. <laughs> but, you know, compared with the rest of the weekend, a different level, I think. You know, it. That was a proper fucking test match. So we talk about Friday. <laughs> Let's move from a proper test match to a proper fucking big top circus custard pie throwing <laughs> fucking nightmare. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you're off to the UK for a match, you can't guarantee a good result. But you can guarantee 0% commission on your sterling with OnPost. Get it in cash or on the handy OnPost money currency card. You don't even need to pre-order. Just drop into your local post office and pick up your sterling today. Terms and conditions apply. OnPost money currency card is issued by PPS EUSA, pursuant to license by MasterCard International. PPS EUSA is authorised by the National Bank of Belgium and is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland for conduct of business rules. I mean, Warren Gatlin's right in the, you know, maybe it is a case that Wales have just forgotten how to lose. But, I mean, it looked for about 60 minutes like they'd forgotten how to tie their fucking shoelaces. <laughs> they were fucking shocking. The line-out was fucking all over the place. Unbelievably <laughs> bad. It was, <laughs> honestly, I didn't know what to fucking do. It was 16 nil at half time, wasn't it? Yeah. And actually, and I, a lot of people are getting shit now on Twitter because people are going, oh, this aged well. When people were saying, yeah. there's fucking no way back now for Wales. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but that is what everybody fucking thought. Well, 16 yeah, nil so? against a fucking pack the size of some kind of cartoon creation in the pissing rain on a yeah. Friday night in Paris. Yeah. There's, there's no nobody know, believed nobody, that that game was coming ever back. Nobody's gone from 16 points no, down at half time. Exactly, yeah, fine, it's forget that bit. Like, it's you know, unprecedented. Nations, yeah. Nobody has ever come from 16 points down at half time Isn't to win a game. 13 points down in 1988. Yeah. The biggest record after that, yeah. I think. Fran- that was France, you know, obviously. It was fucking over. Like, <laughs> and France said, I think you'll find it I isn't. <laughs> Oh, may we? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Say no fini or something. Non. <laughs> Say no fini. Uh, what the fuck have you just done? Je ne sais pas. <laughs> yeah. This is why people tune in. This is why people tune in to hear Lancashire half mangled French. I know yeah. we have got a couple of French listeners, uh, so I'm I, sure, I do apologize. I'm sure, I'm sure they were absolutely delighted by that little exchange. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, fucking hell, what can you say? Like, I mean, to be fair, 
to Yohan Uje. It couldn't happen to a bigger prick. Um, Barabbas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of all the people that could have happened, you know, yes. if that had happened to almost anyone else in that French team, I would have felt bad about it. <laughs> yes. And thankfully it happened. But because it was Uje, you just basically just went, wah! <laughs> 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 I mean... So you know, Wales' people... line-out was shite. Wales' really territory shite. was shite. Shite. Possession was shite. But crucially, their not chucking the ball away on their own line was, was very good. Yeah. And their <laughs> locks not wanging stupid passes in midfield was very good as well. So I think, it's, you know, it's, that was like a perfect example of why, you know, delusions of Alan Winnesty, <laughs> you know, not all fucking sec. I know we were, we you know, in an era now where, you know, the all-court game is kind of the... the Buzzword and they yeah, but there's a difference between an all-court game and yeah. trying to do that. That's... When you say a forward's got an all-court game, what you mean is yeah. you can link play a bit <laughs> yeah. and you can, and you offload, can a bit. offload a bit. And maybe if you get into space... They don't might... mean it. Hey, lads, watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> watch this mystery no. I'm attempting. <laughs> I mean, the best part is that when he gets the ball, George North isn't even in shot. <laughs> But it was three shit passes, kind of. Like, the person who should be fucking fuming in this is Gael Fiku. Because his fucking take of that high ball <laughs> yeah. was absolutely... The only good world- thing he's like, done since that debut ab- for Toulouse when yeah, he was 18. Absolutely fucking, you know, Olympic high jump standard brilliant. Like, he plucked that out of the air, like, you know, a fucking... It was... Brilliant, and he came down with it, and the ball was recycled, and it was like this is dangerous for France. I mean, it was dangerous for France, <laughs> just not in the way that we thought it was. Hello, and, you know... I am Sebastian Varmino. You may know me from giving away penalties, wheezing <laughs> after sixty minutes, and throwing attempted twenty-meter Hollywood miss passes this. in tight international games. You are welcome. <laughs> it was just, you know, people are sort of. The thing is, George North could have like literally like watched the ball as it was passed, checked his watch, went, oh, "I think I'm going to go and get that." <laughs> Text his dad, "Go watch me catch this ball, Dad." Yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you? Are you? Are you? Are you there? Are you, are you there? ready? Get your cameras ready. He's going down. Apollo yeah. Creed in Rocky Two. <laughs> he literally, you know, he's not even in shot, and he just looks at me. He's not, is he? Oh, fucking hell, he is. I'm having this. <laughs> Why didn't the winger be? The winger's looking at it going. Has he really fucking thrown? Is that coming towards me? I reckon he must have thought his depth perception had gone, like watching on telly. Do you know what I mean? Is that no? That's going backwards in it. Oh shit! No, it's coming towards me. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, hell of a way for a test. Well, they off. literally threw the game away twice. Yeah, like it <laughs> literally like, threw it away. It shouldn't come up the fact Wales were fucking not very good. No, not at all. Really, like. You but know. it's something about the mentality. I know that people say to piss out of Gatlin, now they're saying, oh, this team's forgotten how to lose and all that. But actually, there is something about a mentality of just, we keep going. And the defence was fucking remarkable when yeah. they fi- you know, when it finally, after once 25 they, minutes. Once they actually started defending. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> when they tried, which seems after, fair enough. After they let Louis Piccamore just fucking stroll in with ab- untouched for no apparent reason, uh, it was fine. And, yeah, it's just, they are a fucking hard team to beat Wales, and they will keep coming at you, and they will force mistakes like that. I mean, not exactly like that, because those were two particularly 
that Comp. was completely unforced, oh, the Viarena <laughs> one. I mean, the UJ one, to be fair, he obviously just landed funny and his elbow hit the floor and you just think, oh, and fuck, the, you know. Rugby ball does horrible things in the wet. Let's not be around the yeah. bush. I mean, the Viarena thing is just, I mean... And also, probably God did that to UJ. Just went, right, you're fucking <laughs> dropping that ball, you shitbag. One for killing Jesus and two for fish-hooking somebody's eyes out. And the stamp. And the stamp, of course, yeah. Was he stamp or gouge? I forget now. Uh, he was both stamp and Oh, gouge. yes. <laughs> if memory serves. The, 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 the die factor. <laughs> yeah. um, long, long is his list of crimes. But uh, Wales made 80... 80-something, 88% more tackles. Nearly twice the number of tackles that France made. And of those tackles, it was 180-odd tackles, of those tackles, Moriarty, sorry, yeah, Moriarty, Tipperick, Navidi, Owens, basically made nearly half of them, if you add up their numbers. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely amazing. And And Moriarty had a really, really low-key... I know we always laugh about his shit-housing and the fact he's a bit, you know, aggro, but actually that was just a really, really good international performance for an For a man that has barely played rugby in about five months, Hmm. you know, he just comes in and is just like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to fucking do anything spectacular. I'm just going to just be really good and I'm going to make my tackles and I'm going to make my carries and I'm just going to... Be a like you say a really fucking solid good international number eight, which is kind of it's quite reassuring to see him do that, because at times it's looked like he's been preoccupied. When he plays eight, he's a little bit carried away with big carries and big hits at the expense of doing the mucky stuff, I guess. And yeah, I wonder if it's it's a, it's a new level of you know he's not an old he's a young, still a young lad mm-hmm. he, he's been around and you know it's a, it's a, a good a mature performance i guess Gareth Anscombe is getting an unreasonable amount of shit in a very he wasn't very well he wasn't very good nobody was though were they you know apart from the defensive effort in the forwards nobody was yeah, outstanding were, yeah. in the backs so Josh Adams played well actually he did play well but like but generally it was it was a mere sort of game wasn't it you know, it's for possible. everybody, and to single him out is just ridiculous. Well, it's, people don't like him because because they don't. Because uh, they don't. He doesn't look like he should be any good. Well, and there's a sense of you know there is a weird kind of slightly unpleasant. You're not really Welsh thing with which him. Is pretty minging. Which is pretty minging, and <clears throat> I think you know, but partly it comes from the fact that you know he came over here without ever having fucking barely set foot in Wales and got straight onto a fucking national deal contract. Yeah. Which I, which pissed a lot of people off and I think a lot of people have not really... They've been storing that up. Yeah, because there was a sense that, oh, well, he has to become Wales' In the resentment pouch, ready to because, unleash. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but, yeah, he, he didn't play well. It's not easy to play well as a 10 in the pissing fucking rain and cold. When your forwards are having a nightmare it, for half an hour. When your forwards are having a nightmare for half an hour in, in the fucking Stade de France in fucking January. And also, it's they didn't have the, Wales didn't have the ball much. You can question Marker, no. I suppose yeah. that's when international 10s look, should look the best when they use the ball, little ball they have very well. But it's just, he didn't play brilliantly. He needs to no. play better. It, so does everybody. You know what I mean? Wasn't a, it wasn't a game well suited to his skill set. Which is why when Dan Bigger came on, it was like, well, yeah, this is the perfect game for Dan Bigger. But there's also something about when you've had 30, however long he had, to go, oh, I can see what kind of game this is now. Mm. 
then you come off the bench and you're damn bigger with all your experience. Yeah. You would expect you him understand. to do very, very well, wouldn't yeah. you? You can understand what the game requires. And that's kind of what Bigger's role for Wales should be now, really, is the person that comes on and if you know, either it's going well or it's not going well. And as the maturity well, he, and the experience and the intelligence, change it up, go, won't he? yeah, to go, this is what needs to happen now, and and it happens, which is not a bad thing to have by any stretch. So yeah, interesting old game. Yeah, um, Scotland. Hmm. Should they be more pleased that the first sixty minutes was brilliant, or mildly concerned that the last twenty was just a fucking? I wouldn't worry about it at all. I wouldn't worry about it at from all. a sort of, but I just think the wheels really came off and they really tried their best to fucking toss that incredibly, you know, that game was in- sorted. You know, they were. But I think 30... that's part of it. And it yeah, comes as a learning they took, thing. They took the foot off, didn't they? They were yeah. so comfortable for so long. <laughs> yeah. And then a couple of tries went in and then it was just like, oh, well, and then all of a sudden the game's over. Yeah. And you've still won with a bonus point. Yeah, it was still a Do you know what I mean? I, don't, I, I really don't think... You know, and actually, I'd be more happy if I was Scottish. About, <laughs> full stop. No, I wouldn't. Uh, the, um, hey, come on. Um, I think it was the effortless, almost... unquestionable, unquestioning confidence in the first hour and a bit that I'd, be, I'd, I'd solely focus on. Because that's, yeah. that's, where, that's where it is for them. It's not in that last 10 minutes when it took them a while to realise what was happening. No, I think you're probably right there. And also, having that late scare where they took the fucking foot off and all of a sudden, even Italy, no disrespect Italy fans, but even Italy. Um, they scored a nice back, try, didn't they? That nice blindside you know, try. Was yeah, one. and they scored a couple of tries and they put a bit of pressure on. And it's like, oh, you know, yeah, this is how it goes. You know, even when you're absolutely cruising... You know, in the Six Nations, if you take the foot off the gas too much and if you get a little bit lax, teams can come back at you really fucking quick and make you feel a little bit nervous in yeah. the last five minutes. And, you know, that's going to hold them in good stead when they're in games that aren't quite that comprehensive in terms of focus and concentration and all that good shit, I guess. I think Italy need to try and find some fucking monsters again. And play a ten who can just who can just manage a game. I think that's. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to make them incredibly successful, but I think it's it's probably the way forward for them, really. Yeah, and I don't I, I don't know what the way forward of them is. You know, it's it's just they tried to be hard bastards, United, and <laughs> they were know, better when got, they were that though. They were better. They were better when they were. They had that, the best year were... in 2013 when they were still fucking big and hard. This moving to a more expansive game thing that they've tried to do. And, you know, they've, they've got good players there, but they've always had good players. But you cannot fucking play Harlem Globetrotter rugby without some fucking big lads in the fucking pack to do the job for you, you know? I wouldn't even bother trying to do that. I'd simply just, I'd just think they should just get some decent, get some decent carries in and just kick the ball around a bit better. Simple, look- simple for me to say, I know that, but. You look at players like Campagnaro and and you just think, well, yeah, like he's going to be good if, you know, he doesn't need you to play bloody throw it about fancy rugby. No. He just needs you to play from clinical, sensible rugby that gives him an opportunity to use his pace and power on the outside. Mm. And he'll score loads of tries. 
So yeah, interesting, interesting. So Scotland have got Ireland next. Yeah. Um, and England have have we got Italy next? I forget now. Uh, England got France. Oh yeah, we have, haven't we? At Twickenham, sorry. Uh, yes, and Wales are already in Nice, which because uh, Gatland is basically treating the Six Nations as one big World Cup training camp, which is an interest. He does this, which is why I'm kind of like I don't think Wales will do that well this year because Gatland basically treats the Six Nations pre World Cup as a sort of dry run of how things are going to work. So. The whole squad that was in France has travelled to Italy now, and they're going to be there all week because he wants to replicate the turnaround in and the sort of a environment, hotel environment, and all that stuff. Yeah, he wants to rep- Yeah, basically wants to replicate what it's going to be like in you know with the short turnaround in World Cup games, which you know is an interesting way of doing it. And, so he sends them away doing it, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it makes all the sense in the world. I don't know if it'll have impact on Wales's. Perfect game Chance. for you next, though, isn't it? You won't fancy going. Well, yeah, if we were know, going, you won't fancy Scotland. playing Ireland or Scotland. Yeah, next, if we would you? were, you know, if it was England up next, I think everybody would be a little bit fucking. Yeah, you because know, then it's be this a, game. Then it's two. Then it's the break week, isn't it? And then and it's then England. it's England. Yeah, which you know, it's is now a very big game. I mean, it was always, it's a, big always game. a big game. Yeah, but yeah, it but, could be a you know hinging outcome of championships and yeah, all that. I mean, you would expect England to beat France. You would expect Wales to beat Italy, and you know if Ireland beats Scotland, then it's you know there's only two undefeated teams left. And that's a, it's a big if though, with Ireland. Yeah, well, you know, I it's think a England big... have shown they can be got at. Yeah, you know, and... you can keep the ball away from them and keep high tempo. I think Scotland have got a chance here. <laughs> I hope Scotland haven't got the ferocity. You know, if you want to beat Ireland, you've got to be ferocious and I just don't think Scotland yeah, got that and they're going to be double th- ferocious because they're pissed off so. <laughs> they're so angry um, yeah but I, I said it, uh, I think with the exception of maybe Wales Italy which you would imagine would be well you'd hope it would be a bit of a foregone conclusion who knows but uh, could end up you know is... kicking the ball out thinking you got a line out again <laughs> anything could happen um, <laughs> we've yeah. got time to kick this out sir yes yeah. Boom! Sorry, that's the end of the game. Sorry, you sorry, I changed my mind. Twat. <laughs> <laughs> Never ever forgive them. Right, uh, so yes. that's the end of the weekend, I suppose, and a little bit of a look forward. So let's do our shit goods, shall let's we? Let's do that, shall we? Yeah. The weekend, we always we do shit first, don't we? Uh, yes. Yeah. Let's do that. Paul um, Williams says that shit is the fact that Josh versus Austin H is not scheduled on pay per view. Well, you know, for for a fee. I mean, Austin's fee is going to be a lot bigger than mine, but I'm prepared to share the purse if he is. That's not going to stop him doing it, though, because if there's well, one thing has been demonstrated, doesn't how successful he is, he wants to put you right in your fucking place, son. Well, exactly. I mean, it's just whether he's got time with the 60 matches a year, you know, to slot yeah, he's me got, in. he's got 60 matches to watch next week, in yeah. all eyes, so he hasn't got time. <laughs> he's got enough time to pointlessly go back and forth with me on Twitter, so you can't be that busy. I've got a friend of mine who was uh, was at Leicester for a while, Mm. who I'm going to do a rugby life with and apparently, quote-unquote, has a lot of Healy stories that he doesn't mind telling. Okay. So that'll be interesting. He doesn't like him. Let's leave it there. Uh, yeah, from what, you know, he doesn't seem to be particularly well-loved around the game. I'll put it that way. Yeah, his analysis but, you know, is actually okay. I think he, over, he's he, not, he's he, over, he overthinks it sometimes. Uh, yeah, he tries to... If he, was, if he was a writer, he'd be, he'd, he, I would class it as overwriting. He tends to yes, overwrite his analysis. Like that, you know yeah. I 
Let me yeah, find he, this he is interesting. Actually, no, that's not interesting. You just said sh- it because you think you should say something interesting. He, sh- he shows his workings a little bit too much, yes. I think. Uh, yeah. And, you know, just he's a classic yeah, small yeah, man. You know, just what can you say? Cock, isn't he? Um, yeah. So, what uh, have you got to shit? Um, I don't. We sort of we touched on it, but Robbie Henshaw, the fullback, is shit. Yes, and, and Carney didn't play that badly against Scarlets, did he? He just he just looked. If you're going to stick with Hawaiian Tropic Rob, you might as well go for it because you know you know it's yeah. really odd that it was. Or, or Jordan Lama, or Joey fucking Carberry's played international fifteen. He That's was true. sat there like, why the fuck, Joey Schmidt didn't just go. You know what? Owen Farrell is making this guy fucking run all over the field and he's having an absolute nightmare out there. How about we just put him at 12 where he should have been in the first place and I'll stick Joey Carberry at 15 for the remainder of the game where he's a perfectly serviceable international fullback who also would then catch the kicking game that England are absolutely battering us with. It was a weird one. But yeah, you know, I just think it was an experiment, obviously. And apparently it's been talked about for some time that he wanted to see how he'd go at fullback. This wasn't the game to do it in, I don't think, really. Or maybe well, it was. Well, I suppose he knows now, doesn't he? Yeah, Depends he how you knows. want to treat the six days. If you say, well, actually, it's a yeah. way to, um, you know. Yeah, it, it, it all depends on, you know, is this who... England are obviously not looking at this as a warm-up for the World Cup. They want to fucking win this thing because they need to get some fucking belief. And but you know, certainly seems that Wales are looking at this as very much a sort of a pre, you know, almost pre-season in a way um, for the World Cup being the main event. Hmm. Maybe Ireland are, are looking at it like that as well because Ireland's World Cup record is fucking abysmal, and they need to do something. You know, if Schmidt wants to sort of properly put his name down in the annals of great island coaches, which he, you know, already is, but, you know, so he needs to do something in the World Cup and get him beyond a quarterfinal. Yeah, interestingly, Kevin Heaney got in touch on Twitter and he said, shit, was Schmidt not developing a plan B in more than six years and the Irish players just being obedient automatons that can never change a prescribed approach no matter what the catastrophe? See, last <laughs> weekend, World Cup 2015, Wales 2015 and 2017, and basically any time we play France, etc. Um, I think it's taken him a little while to get to the position where they are as good as they were, Kevin. Yeah. Last year. And coming into this weekend, let's not forget. Um mm. I don't think you should yeah. I could see we they didn't seem to know what to do when it wasn't going their way, which we've covered. But I don't think that means they can't. I think it just means it was I think it was such a shock. But that can happen at any time in a World Cup. But I think I, I think this will put them in a better position for the World Cup, having had it happen to them. Although I take your point, Kevin, he's saying it's happened before and they still haven't learned anything. No, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's And it, weirdly, it comes back to that, the McCaw doc, which dealt quite a lot with, 20, with the 2007 World Cup and All right. 2011. And he was talking about, you know, they thought they prepped well for that World Cup. They thought they, had, they were the most well-prepared all-black team ever they thought they had one of the best squads ever mm. they thought that they'd righted the wrongs of 1999 into, and 2003 and 2007 and then McCall was like well we hadn't you know we thought we had but we had and, and and even in 2011 with the level they went even more insane with their prep with their mental skills stuff all the you know 
But he was still just like on the eve of the World Cup. He was even like... more determined not to have a girlfriend in the world of 2011. <laughs> he wouldn't even think about lasses no, or like, anything. Just wore a chastity belt and everything. It was weird. <laughs> really weird. But at the end uh, of the day, yeah. he hoisted that trophy above his head. <laughs> and that's the most important thing. But yeah, he, he was saying like on the eve of the World Cup, he was just like, he had no idea. He had absolutely no idea whether they just made the same mistakes again because there was no way to actually tell until things started going wrong whether they'd righted the wrongs of the past because you can't. And it's sort of there's a bit of that with Ireland, I think. There's no way to tell, really, if they are capable of responding when the chips are down until they're put under real pressure. And it's it's interesting because when you read Martin Johnson's biography and he talks about you know the games done England were under pressure and he says he just always used to very calmly pull everyone into the post and say we keep doing the plan we know it works yeah nobody panic this is going to be fine yeah and I suppose and it's interesting to know in any team situation like that where it's not unusual to go underneath the post and go we know what we can do we know it's beating the best teams in the world let's just get back out there get our heads back on and get doing it again and how long do you let that go on for when it's clearly not, not going to get any yet. better? And, 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 and there's a point at which, when do you twist? And, and, and is that substitutions? You look to the coach then to go, this isn't yeah. working. I've got to pick, I've got to change up some of the things. I've got to get a message onto them. I mean, it's, this is what's fascinating about why we all love sport, isn't it? How these yeah. things actually work. Yeah. But I, I, I think, think they probably spent a big chunk of Saturday going, we know what we do. Yeah. We'll we're stick to the pl- Yeah. So we we'll just stick, let them blow themselves stick, out for half an hour. Yeah. And actually, at the end of half an hour, it looked like that might be starting to happen. <laughs> yeah. But then they got a second win that they weren't prepared for. And that's when there was a lack of ina- there was a lack of action mm. there from either Schmidt or or from Best or from, yeah. you know, whoever, whoever was responsible for making that call to change something there, whether it's fucking giving them a bollock in under the posts, whether that's... Well, what it became was let's throw to our own tail on a five five meter line. Well, yeah, (laughs) which kind of suggests, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see, Kevin. But yeah, it's I suppose we shouldn't overreact. But you have got a point. There is a history of maybe not quite knowing what to do when the chips are down. But as I say, it happened to England, and we ultimately we were a good enough team back then to 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 sort it. And let's hope this team's good enough with a good enough coach. What else we got that shit? Steph Franklin gets in touch. Hello, Steph. She says, shit is Eddie Jones' attempts at jokes. Yeah, but specifically, she said, a Waitrose, not Lidl, is a particular low light. This is where I he was, t- this is where he was talking about that. shopping for players. What? He says... Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't shop for players. Mark Wilson somehow equaled Villapolo's senior sensational tackle count, but the Islanders got the biggest thumbs up from Jones after the first Viva, Viva victory since 2013. The Aussie said, they all seem to come from one part of the world. So we shopped pretty well. We definitely went to Waitrose and not Lidl. Well, I'll have you know that Lidl's fucking belting. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, quality bacon. And also, yeah, you did go to the right part of the world. You went to Gwent. Yeah. That's where you fucking got them from. (laughs) There's no fucking, there's not many Waitroses in Gwent. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) I don't don't even think there is one. But if there is, it's in one of those posh market towns. Yeah, it's probably like, hey, on why, is it? Yeah. Is that in, that's in Monmouth? No, all the waitresses no, are in Monmouth, Monmouth yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually Googling this now. Waitrose Gwent. <laughs> oh, this is like this is, this is is going to rival the other week when we were talking about that shop that I can't remember the name of now. Uh, oh, fucking... What an uh, Aberdare. What? Well, there used to be Hypervalue. What? Oh, fair, I, yeah, 
There's a waitress in Caldicott, which is Monmouthshire. Of course, yes. Oh, there is a waitress in Newport. Oh, no, there's a waitress in Newport in Shropshire. That's a completely different one. Yeah, that's a different Newport. Altogether. <laughs> well, well. Yeah, so, Eddie, you're fucking NP. clueless. The nearest branch to NP is... Oh, oh, <laughs> I mean, oh. It's in Bristol. No, Clifton. no results. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there are no waitresses in Gwent, which is where you went shopping <laughs> for the fucking Vera Polar Brothers. There so. are no waitresses in Gwent is sort of a... That's an album title, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's an album title, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Steph, you thank you. Me. That was very good. Yeah. Thank you very much. What else have we got? Have you got anything more? Uh, England's discipline. Uh, both yeah, the cold, still worrying. The stuff yes. and the uncalled stuff. They they're still crossing that line with relative impunity, and I'm not sure that refs are going to let them get away with it for much longer. Like we were talking, you know, there's nothing. If they want to be cunts about it, that's fine. But they should also expect a response because Garces was pretty lenient on them. Yeah. And a lot of the blocks. You've got to be kind of the stuff. all blacks when they're at the shit housey best. You can't drift over into being cast. <laughs> no, That's exactly. when it starts to go wrong. It's you should never true. go full yeah. cast. Never go full cast, yeah. I'm not even going to play the. Because you're tired, I'm not even going to play the song. Thank, thank you. I genuinely appreciate that. Matt Matthewman got in touch. He said, shit is the torpedoing of players' torsos exposed at rooks by McAnally and Tuolangi and refing thereof. It's dangerous and puts at risk. So- Puts at risk of the body's vital organs. Yes. One of the responses well, to your tweet, actually, when because, God, you got some fucking traction once Healy got hold of it. You had about 80-odd responses to it, didn't you? And somebody was, did say he yeah. played, he had a mate who played for Neath. He got killed. Yeah, I remember the kid who got who died, actually. It was fucking horrendous. It was, wasn't that long ago. It was and it wasn't even, ago. it looked fairly innocuous, but it was basically, he wasn't ready. He was blindsided. He was, he was yeah. completely blindsided. Yeah. So as much as, yeah, I don't think we should be I don't like the constant gifting. It does get on my nerves a little bit. But I agree, yeah. But effectively, but you he... were actually drawing attention to the fact that people were justifying it. Yeah. That's I'm the point that, that people seem to be missing. And the amount of fucking what about it that goes on. Yeah. Yeah, but what about that? Well, if he had a gif of that, I'd say that was wrong as well. This isn't fucking hard to understand. No, and and it's that's the, the kind of thing that I was trying to say really is like I don't give a fuck that it's Manu I don't give a fuck that it's yes. England you know I, it could be anybody the fact of the matter you know how what are we six fucking months away back from Sam Warburton knocking yeah. it on the head at 28 and everybody going this should be a wake up call for rugby and yeah. Six Nations comes around and that's perfect you know we get but scores now you're a snowflake back. yeah now I'm a snowflake don't things going, change well, maybe, quickly eh yeah maybe Maybe if a player's got his head in the ruck, you know, it doesn't matter if he's on the fucking wrong side. If his head's in the ruck and you fucking smash into his ribs from, you know, at full tilt shoulder first, that's fucking incredibly dangerous. Yes. And even if you don't, perm- you know, don't seriously injure him there, it's the sort of thing that puts... And unlawful a, in the game. You know, forget this. Yeah, this isn't totally, a kind of, I wish yeah, that wasn't the case. Yeah, that's no, unlawful. It's illegal. Yeah, it's being illegal. Pulled and you but made the like, point that you don't think it was red cardable. No, it's it a won't be so. It was just, it's, you know, that was yellow. that was a shithouse thing to do. It could have really yeah. injured him. Let's all just say that. Yeah. It's not that hard, let's, is it? Let's, let's let it be a yellow, which it should be, but let's also make it a big deal of it because these if we don't stop having these things, then more, we're going to get more Sam Warburton's. We're going to get more players 
who are having to knock it on the head early doors because, you know, particularly open side flankers, blind side flankers, players that spend a lot they of time put themselves with their fucking, in there, yeah. put themselves in the fucking, you know, with their heads in rucks all the time. They're taking so much fucking punishment and it's, it's an unsustainable and it just, you know, as much as I'm fucking taking the piss out of Healy for being a fucking bellend, you know, the fact that somebody with as prominent a voice as him in the game who's played it professionally, I bet he wouldn't fucking call Sam Warburton a slow flake to his fucking face. No, it's true. Mainly because Sam Warburton's about a foot taller than him. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is not... This isn't, this isn't about fucking... Well, Sam Warburton hasn't got a shit podcast, has he? Well, that's true. <laughs> Shite podcast. Shite podcast. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate appreciated that. Um, um, and then he put a kiss at the end of it, with an, or hashtag love you, which was a bit of a weird... Uh, it's because he's trying to show that he's just doing it to wind you up and he's all yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah, he's not though, is he? Oh well. No. But yeah, anyway, you know, it's, yeah. We don't so, want to, you know, nobody wants to see that shit. So no, basically, just... and just calling out for what it is out of order. Yeah, yeah. Not odd. What have we got here? Paolo Paolo Frutini gets in touch on Twitter. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And he says shit is Alan Wynne Jones clapping Itoji style at a French no. scum penalty. We for shame, Alan Wynne, for shame. We don't want to see. We don't I mean, see that. Ultimately, actually, you don't never go full itoji. No, clapping a scrum penalty is a, a lot more acceptable than scrap than clapping a knock on. Yes, that's the thing. I don't mind itoji clapping a scrum penalty. He's been involved in that one way or another. That's yeah. something that you've caused another team to do. It's clapping knock ons. There was an interview with Itoji last week where he basically just is kind of unapologetic about it and just said he was in the Telegraph. He basically just said, "I look to." You know, get an advantage in any way I can. If that means being like that, that winds the opposition up at every possible opportunity, I'm going to take it. Yeah, fair enough. You know, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and then one. we're going to call you a bit of a wanker. Yeah, but I understand why you're doing it. He yeah, also started well, referring to himself in the third person. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody gets that way, doesn't they? Eventually, yeah. Michael Vaughan went like that when he was yeah. at the end of his England captaincy, and he, you know, because he was starting to lose it. <laughs> Eventually, you've just been in the job for so long. When you just become you a, a, when you get to the point where you're becoming, when you're talking like a WWE wrestler, then you know it's all <laughs> over, don't you? I would love it if more rugby players actually went full WWE. I'd love it. Yeah, it, they started talking directly into camera and yeah, pointing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just taking the mic off the interviewer and just scoop, and you wait out. till warp till raw when Friday night. Then you will know the full pain of this coming your way when Maro Itoji claps his way into your pain, sort of thing. I don't know why he's going to put an American accent on, but he probably will. I mean, you've got to if you're going to do the full WWE. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, that is, you're unless you've been Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, he was from Wigan. And he, just, and he had a crowd. Next week, the British Bulldog be coming forward <laughs> to take it for you. My cousin's the- missus did his hair. True story. Really? Wow. Uh, anyway, back. Meanwhile, back at the rugby, Aunt Pease says, "No, no, Shit. not back at the rugby. I feel like <laughs> dead now, isn't he? Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, God bless him." Yeah, Aunt Pease says, "Shit. The fact that those shit awful daffodil face hats are now, as demonstrated last weekend, available both in thistle and rose varieties." Jesus fuck. And he says, really? "Good. There can be no good in the world in which daffodil, thistle, and rose face hats are deemed in any way acceptable." I'm kind of sore on this, Ant, because the you know the miserable rugby, you know, true fan in me because I'm mean, grumble, grumble, fuck off, 
And then yeah. the other part of me goes, do you know what? They're turning up to rugby. They're having a great time. That's how the Express having a good time. And who the fuck am I to judge that? Well, yeah. I, I do judge it, but who am I not to let them get on with it? Yeah, I, I feel similarly sort of conflicted about it, to be honest, in that I genuinely hate it. And I think that <laughs> people who wear those things look like... I don't genuinely people. hate it. That's quite strong, but yeah. I, I just think they look like absolute books. And... It's better than when they used to wear pink cowboy hats in Cardiff, though. That used yeah, to be a thing, happened. didn't it? That still happens Does it? as well. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like a twat for, thinking, for hating it because I just Yeah, think... you, it's that thing you know. It's that when you sometimes listen to... I know to, I'm being a like curmudgeonly guilty... old fuck Yeah, exactly. It. And you don't want to be, and yet you can't no. help feeling that way. Yeah. And yet I am a curmudgeonly yeah. old fuck. As Minan so... says, you can't help how you feel, cock. So uh, you got to... <laughs> right. No, Have you got any more shite before we move on? Uh, Apart from the podcast, obviously. <laughs> um, I mean, I imagine Sean Edwards' weekend was probably quite shite. <laughs> yes, kid. Like, just like, and I imagine the, the video, despite the fact that they were in Nice, I imagine that whatever video session they've had this morning, uh, they, the Wales players probably didn't enjoy. Liam Williams certainly probably didn't enjoy. Uh, a lot of what was said, and probably neither did George. Because Warren, Warren Gatlin just <laughs> saying to camera literally, while North stood next to him. <laughs> standing next to him, I love that. I, I'm going to. What miss. a couple of tries from George. Well, yeah, I'm more concerned about him stepping inside for their first try. Bong. It would, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that's the reaction of a man who is out of the job in <laughs> yes. eight months' time, and just wait until George off. can say what he wants about yeah. you. Yeah. After the World Cup. <laughs> I was uh, I followed the Welsh Rugby Union or the Six Nations, one of the two. No, Welsh on um Instagram. Oh yes. And they had an interview with Warren Gatlin's daughter. I didn't know we had a daughter. That's, we all know about Bryn. Obviously. Well <laughs> she's Brin. she's over here living with him a minute. I think they couldn't handle the fact oh, okay. he was so upset. So you're gonna have to oh, go live with your father for six months. I don't want to move to <laughs> Wales. Know. Well you've got to go because Bryn well, can't because he's go. got a job. But yeah, uh, so <laughs> Anyway, long story short, and I know this is quite shallow, but she seemed like a very nice lady, but she's absolutely beautiful, but has got that big Gatlin head, but he's still a beautiful looking. I was going to say, I said to my wife, I said, look at at that. You've seen Warren Gatlin, haven't you? I said, this is, isn't she lovely? And that was quite surprising to me. I don't know why. I'm sure. uh, It's, it's, I mean, you don't, when you look at that. I thought I descended to just looking at videos of Warren Gatlin's daughter, but you know, the fact is, is that, yeah. You look at Warren Gatlin's head, you don't naturally look at that and go, you know, that's going to translate well to a sort of young <laughs> yes. and attractive woman. But you are, you know, you're quite right. She's. Yeah, I'm sorry to do not, this. This is terrible, it, like sausage factory not, stuff, but I was just genuinely been, surprised. She seems like a lovely lady as well. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. It's and I'm glad that it, she's happy to be here with, with her dad and making yeah. him happier. It's an interesting sort of physiological, biological thing that you can take that head, the, the face. It's like Terry Yorath's head, and you put it on Gabby Yorath, Gabby, and, and it suddenly looks fine. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Genetics is weird, isn't it? That's all. <laughs> There's another. Anyway, we apologise to everybody for that little. Yeah. Well, I do because I started it. I was just uh... right. Then what have we got? Uh, that's good. Good. I, what have um, I got? It's good. Felix Lombay. The massive red-headed second rower that came yes, over front, yes. who I think may be my new favourite player. I mean, <laughs> the fact that he's called Felix Lombe, like... And somebody said, yeah, you've got a red-haired French player called Flombe. Yeah. Is, it's somebody actually did point that out on Twitter. I do apologise, I don't remember who it was. But it's, uh, so it's, that's not my joke. Um, he, 
he looks exactly like. I mean, there's just something. He's got such a weird face, hasn't he? <laughs> Fantastic. Like, Somebody said, uh, my old mate Matt did say, well, everyone's posting pictures of Beaker. Yes. Yeah. There's just. He's got a very big neck and a very small face. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just he, ace, and he was fucking been, great when he came on. As yeah, well. yeah. You can't blame him. Well. He was doing his fucking best. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's somebody else that like you could put his face on a girl, and it would kind of it wouldn't look <laughs> it wouldn't look weird. But obviously, with a, a not quite as big a neck, came on and beat three defenders. Good for you. Yeah, good for him. Um, it's, it's still weird to me seeing ginger French people. What else have you got? Uh, what have I got? Uh, obviously, Mako. Yeah, just it's ridiculous, it? Monster. 27 tackles. <laughs> just full 80 minutes. Scarcely believable. While simultaneously looking like the most unfit man on, in the world. That's what's so yes. impressive about it. Yeah. It's like he, he looked, properly looked like minute, a bag of potatoes in a pair minute, of shorts. Minute 10, he looks like. I I do after twenty five minutes on a cross trainer, I spent, <laughs> yeah. and yet somehow he's got seventy minutes. Of he test looks like him. Alexis Sanchez's really unfit <laughs> older brother who just lives with him and eats <laughs> all gonna, day. What are you going to say, Alexis Sale? Then he has a bit like, of that about him oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, a lot about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. he just he looked, he, I love that about, and I will always love that about rugby, where players who just look. Patently unsuited to physical endeavour, just demonstrate ridiculous levels. He's of... a perfect example of how BMI is a terrible measure of whether you're fit or not. <laughs> Come on, his BMI yeah. must show him to be at risk of every type. He should have type two diabetes by next week, according yeah. to his, his BMI. <laughs> and yet, yet he's a fucking remarkable athlete. What else? Um, I'm not as good. Mark Wilson. Who mm. I think, to be honest, let's let's remember, I basically selected Mark Wilson for England last you summer. Did. You did. I'm, you know, um, I don't get many things right, but I'm, so I'm fucking hanging on to this one. Agent. He put you know, fucking 27 tackles in as well. Yeah. Lots of people were saying shout out for Mark Wilson. Actually, Sam Ashworth said Mark Wilson was quietly excellent. Toby Baker said was that the rugby paper gave Mark Wilson 6 out of 10, saying he had a quiet game. Well, we all people's elbow said, I'm Scottish and it pains me to say it, but Wilson was outstanding. You can bang on about every big name you like, but he's what's been missing. He reminds me of Richard Hill. Now, let's be calm. Let's calm ourselves. I like him, but let's, you know. But you're Scottish and you're saying that, so that's allowed. If it was me, it'd be arrogant and hyperbole. Yeah, it would be. But let's, you know, he just works fucking hard. He's like Haskell without the fucking ego. Yes. Let's be honest, because there's, you know, Haskell never did that much wrong on the field. He was a limited player, but he worked fucking really hard and was good at what he did. It was all the bollocks outside that makes him tedious. I I don't know who you are anymore, but go on. Sorry, but you know. (laughs) No, to be fair. Yeah, Yeah, he was a competent professional rugby player, James Haskell. There you go. I like how we're talking about him as if he's retired. Yeah, all right. He still is a competent rugby player. Has he? I, I think I he, he's got he one. He's got my... one foot in his slippers. He's, 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 he seems to be spending honest. most of his time hawking a book at the moment, or on podcasts on... or media somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He's always had uh, a plan. You can always set that for him. Yeah, absolutely. And more good luck to him. I say. Yeah, um, I don't begrudge him his success. Actually, he's worked hard for it, and he's been fairly canny with it as well. Mm. The fact everyone's fucking been sucking into it is another thing altogether. But yeah, 
Anyway, wow. don't want to talk about him. Mark Wilson. Yeah, yeah just a fantastic. Yes. He's just been fantastic. Just incredibly yeah. solid, all action, indefatigable bloke. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, uh, Henry Slade also probably needs a mention for finally, finally looking like a Test thirteen, despite. It's no great coincidence, I imagine, is it, that he's been playing 13 solidly at Chiefs? Yeah. Finally. He's how old now? 25? Something like that, yeah. You know, probably finally settled himself down, found out what he needs to do. (coughs) So, you know, it's not... And he's always talented, the fact he's been given a run in the position. He's always had loads of talent. He's been moved around a little bit too much by Exeter. And also, to be honest with you, having a sort of reassuring... Presence of Tuolagi on the inside of him is probably not hurt either. Indeed, and Noel, don't forget. And Noel as well, yeah, yeah. You know, again, we mentioned before how kind of well organised and reassuring he is. People like Noel always give you an out. Yes, always reminds that's very me of um, that great New Zealand team that have Frank Bunce in the centres. If it was all going wrong, they yeah. just threw it to Frank Bunce. <laughs> who yeah, somehow um, just managed to smash we'll over the game line and give you yeah, a bat. Yeah, yeah. And even if he didn't make loads of time, he'd, he'd mess with he'd, he'd keep the ball enough and keep it up enough for you to get yourself organised again. There's mm. something of Noel about that in, in, in Noel, I think. Yeah. Hensel, and Hensley's so, benefiting he's from so it. so powerful that he's never likely to take a backwards step. Yeah, and he'll give you uh, an extra six or seven seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot. But yeah. it's a hell of a lot when you're trying to organise a defence. Um, one thing that I missed out in shit that I'd just like to go back to very quickly uh, is the dominant tackle. Somebody else mentioned that, yeah. Honestly, like, it's very obvious that, you know, whoever, Opta who, or whoever is doing the Six Nations stats this year have included the dominant tackle in the stat package. Well, I was sat with Sta- my uh, son standard, and my yeah. brother-in-law, both of whom turned to me at one point during the game and said, what's a dominant tackle? Yeah. <laughs> because, and what pisses me off is that commentators, because obviously it's now just been included in the standard stat pack that they all get. It's a tackle that drives people backwards, right? It's, yeah, it stops you at the line or moves you back. Yeah. What the first the first time that you should when you you know if you're a commentator and you're using that stat, you should explain what it is. <laughs> yes. That's true. They didn't do it, did they? Yeah, you're no. Right. Instead they go, oh yeah, yeah you know, we, England had a fantastic, you know, forty-nine dominant tackles, and ninety-nine percent of the watching public goes, "What the fuck is that?" And it's, you know, every year there's always a buzzword in the Six Nations that commentators get and they use too much, whether it's counter rucking, whether yes. it's choked, you know, it's rucking, by the way. Um, Yes. And it's always the way, but just like if you're going to use a, if you're going to use a new stat that nobody knows about, because it was all over the graphics as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tackles, percentage dominant tackles. Yeah. Just explain what it is. Don't expect that people fucking are statos who know what it is. You know, it's yes. like I'm all for stats if stats are useful. If you tell me that England had more dominant tackles than Ireland, I'm sure that means something. As long as you explain what that is to the viewer. It's anyway, interesting to yes. say what does it tell you? I suppose I suppose that you're driving people backwards in the tackle. They're not yeah, they're not getting any change, I suppose. Yes. You're not getting across the game line. That's the top yeah. and bottom of it. Yeah. Which you know is game. You know, or actually not even the game line, you're not getting through the tackle line. Yes. No, it's a, it's just yeah. Explain yes. what it is. At least explain what it is. Yeah. Right then. So what else have we got that's good? Well, good, 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 uh, good one. Blair yeah. Kinghorn. 
Oh yes, hat trick boy. He's special, isn't he? Like classy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a rare you get a man who's that big and that quick, but also he's just such a lovely balance runner. Yes, silky. Yeah, I just oh every time he gets the ball, I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> How are you? What do you got? Yeah, on? <laughs> yeah, get a little bit unreasonable. Uh, David McIntosh gets in touch on Twitter. He says, "Good was referee Luke Pearce throwing incredible shade on the speed of Greg Laidlaw's service by telling him to use it while Greg was actually attempting to pass the ball." <laughs> hey, now Greg has, has done a love, you know. Has, he's perfect he's for that team. Fucking perfect yeah, for that since, team. Since Greg has gone to Claremont, he has massively upped his. Uh, his, his pace of distribution, I think, has been great for him. And him and Finn Russell moving to France, fucking brilliant. Yeah. Been great for Scotland, great for them. Yeah. What else have we got on Twitter? Alvaro gets in touch. He said, good was Farrell's pass for Johnny May. Yes. That fizzed pass that... Oh, God, yeah, that was... What was interesting is loads. Of, a few people have said, I mean, Keith Earls, you know, he was, he was inches away from getting that, as if mm. I think that's what Farrell saw. Yeah, I he, think Farrell he, saw, saw. He oh, was going to gamble. He was going to gamble on that. He's cut in and physically yeah. straight to the outside. So actually, I think it was a perfectly executed play. He also yeah. says that Alvaro says that Johnny May played brilliantly, assured in the air and positionally. I thought he was destined to play like every game like a Springer Spaniel in a field full of pheasants. Yeah, so didn't we all? <laughs> Seems a very long time ago that he just ran sideways until he went up into the stands. But it's uh it's been a big change. Yeah, it's bizarre. I just, I still don't. He's an excellent, excellent rugby player, and I never yeah, ever yeah, thought yeah. I'd be saying that. I mean, obviously no, it's ridiculous. It's... Of course he is. He's playing fucking. You know, I must always make the point. We throw fucking shade all over people all yeah. the time. We're, We're under much... no illusions yeah, yeah, yeah. that they are fucking great players. You know, if we had They're a game players. of touch tomorrow, we'd look. I'd look fucking stupid and end up on my arse. You know, I'm not. You know, yeah. all of them have played a hundred percent more professional rugby than than, than I have. But it's all relative, and that's why we talk about it. But yeah, I was genuinely surprised he's become such an excellent international player. And anyone who says they're not, I think he's probably lying a bit. Yeah, because he always looked, you know, he never looked like this was going to happen, you know? He looked pacey, and it looked like he had a bit about him, but it yeah. never looked like he had anything like the composure. And that's well, just the nouse, really. And same, and you could say the same thing about Jack Noel as well. Jack Noel's first, you know, half a dozen to a dozen games for... England, he looked like a big, quick lad who was never his going scoring to score. record still. Was, his scoring record is still poor, but it's not, it's, he's, it's, he does he does things now. For I'd, England, I'd expect Ashton to score more tries, but that's the balance, isn't it? That's what you what what is it? If you think if May's going to get you your tries, you don't need to do anything else. Yeah, and I guess that's they they work well together as a unit. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anything else that's good from you? Uh, well, there's got to be something, surely. Um, well, that goes back to Twitter then. Phil Jones I mean, says, good. It's Paul O'Connell's commentary last Friday night for France versus Wales. I found it to be both useful and incisive. He said, however, shit would be Jiffy's commentary of the same game. The only positive thing was at least he didn't shout numbers. <laughs> and Stuart also said, simply, Jiffy is shit. Co-commentators <laughs> should be measured and impartial, not whoop-whoop fans, <laughs> whoop-whoop fans with microphones. It's increasingly becoming less so, isn't it? But uh, uh yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? As he once famously said. It's, uh, I, I think I, I, don't I don't think mind. you should be measured. I think I've got nothing to do with co-commentators losing their shit a bit. Brian Moore loses yeah. his shit, and I think that's quite yeah, entertaining. Yeah. And he brings a bit, of, literally brings a bit of colour, you know, 
Yeah, it's it's what you know what they would call in America color commentary. Yeah, you know, I and I, I don't have a problem with that. I think like, I think it's good to have the balance between the insightful type stuff and the oh, I'm very excited because this game is ace, or I'm very frustrated because mm. this game is shit. Stuff. Yeah, the color commentator is basically there to you know to sort of be the f- not the fan really, but the not just describing you know. the action. Yeah, he's there to to add a bit of humanity to it. And, you know, these things only ever piss people off who aren't those, you know, or aren't fans of those teams, you know. It's like Brian Moore pisses off some non-English fans because he's perceived to have an English bias. Jiffy pisses off. He properly oh, yeah, shouts and screams fucking, like yeah, a fan when yeah, he absolutely both does. at the negative yeah. end and the positive end for work. Yeah. And I just think I actually think he's pretty good at his job, Jiffy. I think he's I think, yeah, I think he's, the, he's a the, little bit too ubiquitous. Yeah, on the on a, the whole, Jiffy Jiffy does get carried away. And he can be If you watch rugby league like me, you never stop hearing him. Yes. As well. That's, that's the other true, thing. He's just everywhere. So that kind of gets me down a bit, but generally speaking. What else have we got as good? Bruce McConaughey gets in touch. He says, good was Scotland for 70 minutes and shit was Scotland for 10 minutes, yes. Yeah. Twit I am gets in touch and he says, good, there's enough evidence seen over the first weekend that all teams are beatable. This genuinely could be the most competitive Six Nations in a long time. It's a good point, actually. We did. I think it really After is. the yeah. autumn, everyone was saying this could be a fucking great tournament. And oh, I think there's... Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think the first weekend suggests the same. Yeah, it could there's be a, a real... People playing enough good rugby and people looking... So have enough weaknesses to make it interesting. I put it, you know, obviously one of the big contenders is already out from a Grand Slam point of view. But if some, if some, if one of the remaining people never that gets asked about a Grand gets, Slam, well, I was just saying, if somebody gets a slam this year, they'd have done fucking well. Yeah, it's like, nice to win one. I'm a sheep, yeah, it? but I'm not bothered if you don't. Do you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't yeah. lessen at all. You still win the Six Nations and don't get a Grand Slam. Nobody's fucking yes chasing. Yeah, I mean that has been the case. With England in the past, I guess, but uh, only because you like laughing at us when well, we didn't get it. We still won the tournament those fucking years. People forget. Yeah, but it, 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 that's the thing. It was a weird sort of like it tasted of ashes sort of. Thing. I think if you fall at the last hurdle, there's a bit of an it's it's disappointing. But if you've already lost earlier on in the tournament, yeah, and then you win the top, it's like us in 2013. I was fucking delighted to win the Six Nations that year. Yeah, and didn't you know it was as good as a slam. Because it was unexpected. Yes. But yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic, really compelling, really competitive tournament. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And Maybe. finally, Mark Fisher says, good was Sam Johnson. Curveball selection for Scotland, but really yes. solid debut for Scotland. He's a highly underrated player who totally deserved his place. Yes, he did. <coughs> Let's he did, see yeah. how he gets on against the, uh, a tougher midfield. Mind you, he's against Camp- Campanaro. You know. Yeah, he's, he's no slouch, is he? You know. Anything but, else from uh, you before I draw this all to a close? Um, I thought, uh, I don't say this very often, but I thought Thomas Francis was very good on the weekend. Like, he's, he's been quietly good all season, actually, I like, think. He, There's a lot of competition for props at Exeter, and I think that's helping him out. It's helping, it's, yeah. It's, and, but I also just think that fucking French pack is fucking... Like Jefferson Poirot is no fucking. It was so slouch. So, fucking, so big. fucking massive, and he and it was like know, fucking Space Jam. 
until, <laughs> it was a bit, but until he went off, Wales were perfectly level, or if not in the ascendancy at the scrum, which against a fucking French pack that big, is yes. and, and and the thing that he doesn't do nearly enough is put himself about in the loose. And I thought he actually did a really good job of fucking hitting his rucks and getting about the park in a way that he doesn't normally. Uh, so fair play to him. And with that, we come to the end of week one of the Six Nations. Yeah. Josh has, you know, got matchsticks on his eyeballs, a la Tom and Jerry, to try and keep yeah, going. I'm just about You've to done amazing it. to actually have a coherent thought, never mind expressing out your mouth. So uh, <laughs> Clearly, well, what I need to do The listeners is... will be a judge, the judge of that, obviously. Yeah. But uh, What I need to do is is not sleep for... Let me have a look how many hours it's been since I slept. Da, da, da. Woke up about nine o'clock yesterday. Yeah, we're at uh, we're at. This is hard math when you not slept for a long time. Yeah, this is like we're at twenty nine hours now. It's bedtime now. Yeah, I say it's bedtime. Uh, good night, Moon. Thank you all for listening. Yes. Good night, Moon. Right, is that listening. from the Bear in the Big Blue House? I fucking no idea, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the good night song from that when my kids were little. <laughs> I have no such. Uh, I should play that as the outro because it is a it's a very <laughs> nice song. Anyway, uh, speak to you all soon. Thank you all for tuning in. It's been a long one this week because lots to talk about, and we'll be back indeed. next week for round two. Take care, Tana. Take care, everybody. If you're off to the UK for a match, you can't guarantee a good result, but you can guarantee zero percent commission on your sterling with OnPost. Get it in cash or on the handy OnPost money currency card. You don't even need to pre-order. Just drop into your local post office and pick up your sterling today. Terms and conditions apply. OnPost money currency card is issued by PPS EUSA, pursuant to license by MasterCard International. PPS EUSA is authorised by the National Bank of Belgium and is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland for conduct of business rules. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.